You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 600, is the artificial oasis better than the real one? Walking the tightrope of television spoilers and the greatest heavy metal songs of all time. That's all coming up after Joe Jackson and Stepping Out. Electricity. 
this track about once a month because it it takes me to, to mm. another world. I see yellow taxis and I hear the sounds of the streets in New York. Plus, there's the glorious bass of Graham Maybe that drives the song along. Number six, both on Billboard and here in the UK from 1982, Joe Jackson stepping out. Yeah, that is great. There's such a um, I love the way that kind of unfolds and the I love that bass. A dum dum dum. Oh, I, I could listen to that for ages. It's, it's so. I could just listen to that on a loop for like yes. hours a day. I think absolutely. It's, it's I think it's it's such an atmospheric record. It's a good description of it, and that you've just given it. This this kind of it does take you off to mm. some world, doesn't it? He's it brilliant, does. Joe Jackson. I'm a big fan. Welcome along to the Parish Council. It's episode 600. I'm Terence Dackham and here performing live with her partner, Orville the Duck. It's... <laughs> oh, no, wait, that's Keith Harris, isn't it? I've, I've done it again. I've got confused. It's not Keith Harris. It's Juliet Harris. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. I suspect everybody, um, everybody Confused. needs uh, <laughs> needs a little bit of clarity on that. Good morning, everybody. Um, <laughs> it take it takes something for me to agree with both Nick Knowles and Piers Morgan. And yeah, I, that is that's the, what's hap- What has happened, Terence? What exactly. is going on? We, we've all come together on this this particular issue. Just a quick thing I wanted to mention mm. before we get on with the business of the day. I don't know if you saw this clip. Uh, it went viral this week. Yes. Actually put on social media by Arsenal Football Club themselves. Of their eight-year-old mascot last weekend, holding out a football shirt for the team to sign one by one, which they do. Mm. But not one of these millionaire protected and privileged players bothered to even look at this young girl, eight years old, never mind acknowledge her presence. Mm. I suggest you give your players another go at being decent human beings, tweeted Nick Knowles. And (laughs) Piers Morgan said, come on, guys, at least one of you say hello to her. Well, I'm, I'm with Nick and Piers on this, Jules. I am as well. This I just thought this was so... I mean, yeah, I was just rendered slightly speechless by it, Mm. really. I mean, how difficult is it? Half of them seem to be in (laughs) headphones. It was just, it was, they they did not come across well, did they, really? It's like, for goodness sake. Again, like you, I find myself alarmed to be agreeing with Piers Morgan, but how (laughs) difficult is it to just just, uh, Just say a few words to a little girl? Exactly. It just seems so ridiculous. I mean, and it did make me laugh at this story in the mail about this, that that the um the the mum is appalled by it, but the dad was like, "Oh, we still had it. <laughs> not the mum, but the um, sorry, not the I don't think the mum was mentioned actually, but I love yeah. the fact that the dad was still like, "Oh, should we still had a great time and everything?" And it's like, mm. bless him, he's clearly such an Arsenal fan, exactly. Yeah, he's kind of willing to. Yes. He's willing to kind of ignore all the other stuff. And who knows, maybe they did still have a good time. But it does seem she didn't seem unduly bothered by it. No. But it just but it does seem it does seem a bit absurd, really, like like you say, it doesn't you know, it they didn't come across well. It'd be interesting to see what happens and whether or not they do end up doing something else. Um uh, yes. Oh sorry, go on. Yeah, just if they do end up mopping it up or something, mm. but I would be surprised if you know it just seems a bit strange, really. It's um, it's, uh, there was a, a a host of um, the host on on Talk Sport mm. said um, doesn't take a lot just to acknowledge somebody and give them a little smile. It's quite symptomatic symptomatic that video I think of football now, football or footballers now. Um, 
it's um what's disappointing is and to add a little bit more context to it so i actually messaged the club because the club put it out and i think they put it out thinking they've all stopped and signed yeah, that is exactly. great look what they're yeah. doing but maybe that in itself is the problem that somewhere along the line there's become a disconnect between what you're meant to do for those kind of match uh, mascots that having said that it would only have been one part of the match day experience but yeah, it's not, you know, she did go on to say maybe, you know, if it's pre-match, these players might have been in a little bit of a pre-match mm. bubble and kind of mentally preparing themselves for the game. And, I, you know, I can kind of see that as an argument, but equally it does seem a bit, um, it just feels a bit off, doesn't it, really? It, it does. I mean, it's horrible seeing these players with their headphones blocking the world out and ignoring young um, Olivia Murray. And I think you're right. The only excuse that can be given is this, this is just before a game, not the best time for interaction as the players must be tense before a game. But uh, again, as you say, just to reinforce, you say just say hello and smile to an eight-year-old exactly. fan. I mean, exactly. You know, I think you're right. I think you said that you said the word disassociation. I mean, these, these young men are now so disassociated from from their fans and it reminded me that makes me feel you know it sounds like I'm 150 years old but when I first went to uh, see Chelsea in the mid-1960s some of the team used to travel on the same bus to the ground as my father and me. I mean, those days have mm. really haven't long they? gone. Haven't with they? With goodness their, with their me. boots in a, in, a, in a brown paper bag, yes. Wow, wow. Yeah, that, is, that, is, that is a different time, isn't it? It really is a different time. When I first heard that an artificial intelligence version of a new album by Oasis, um, Aisis, <laughs> had been produced, I felt... Initially, a kind of flicker of horror. Surely that's a step too far. And how on earth could it be any good? Well, let's just quickly hear a 30 second clip of AISIS. You've had a chance to listen to AISIS, the lost tapes. What do you make of it all? It's, I mean, it's very peculiar, isn't it? This this whole business is very disconcerting. Hilariously, I actually know the drummer involved in this. Oh, I've known him since, I've known him since I was sixteen. He's called John. We were at Sitzman College together. He's a lovely <laughs> chap. So um, so I'm quite. And he was always banging on on social media in the last few years about his band Breezer. So I'm quite entertained. That, so <laughs> so this is made by, um, this is made by three lads in a band called Breezer. Um, and it, it's very bizarre, isn't it? In that when you listen to it, they, they, so they've managed to train this kind of Liam, Liam Gallagher AI bot to make it kind of sing, make it sing like him and sort of, they've put certain phrases in and, you know, it's it is it, 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 I'm not sure if I'd quite be fooled by it if I didn't know it was Oasis, but goodness me, the the, the Liam Gallagher vocal sounds like him, doesn't it? It it sounds exactly like him. It's singing the sort of stuff he would sing. Um and the music is a little bit um the sound of the music is a little bit off. Not necessarily in 
I can't quite explain it. That's what's most obviously AI in that it's a little, it's a little bit fizzy. It's a little bit, the drums are a little bit, um, no offense to John, but it's, 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 I don't know. There's something a little bit unreal. There's a slightly unreal mm. sound to the music and I can't quite explain what that is, but it doesn't, it sounds a bit too electronic, I think, to truly be Oasis of that time. I'm not quite sure how, you know, if I'm, if I'm mishearing mm. here, but it's so, um, it's so strange, isn't it? Um, that that it, he cut up various a cappella recordings of Liam to train the AI one, and it really made me laugh. In that they seem so self-aware, these lads in Bre- in Breezer. Bobby Girati is the is the kind of producer and singer songwriter, and he says cheerily, "Obviously, our band sounded exactly like Oasis, so all I had to do was replace my vocals with Liam's." And actually, bless him. He's right. That's very self-aware that that you know they sounded a lot like Oasis anyway, really. But it's it's um it's uh, John says um, we just wanted to give people a bit of nostalgia of what might have been because we never really got any closure from Oasis. They just got worse and worse over the years, didn't they? I mean, I have to say these these yes. lads come across very well in their piece in the in the Guardian. Um, the music and lyrics are all breezers. And they said, couldn't could an AI one day take up writing ISIS tunes? And Gerardi says, I don't think that's possible yet. AI is still very much controlled by the user. You need to feed it exactly what it needs to replicate. I don't think it's at the point where the AI could write a song. Although having said that, a lot of people have asked if the music was AI generated, which it's not. Um, it's, it's very... Um, there's just something that just is a bit mm. surreal about it, isn't it, really? I mean, having said that, though, the songs sound like Oasis. The lyrics sound like Oasis. It, it, it's, it could be Liam Gallagher's actually singing because they've, they've, they've fed it samples and it's and it's working like that. The whole thing is very... Um, the whole thing is very strange, and I love I love the the closing uh, the closing um, quote from Girati here when they say what do, what do they think Liam would make of his AISIS counterpart? He said and Girati said he'd absolutely hate it because he's not because it's not him, or maybe he'd love it. Who knows? And it, I think that sums up the contrary world of Liam Gallagher very nicely. I this was a real curio. I thought I'm not sure how lo- how often I would re-listen to this, but it is. They, they've not done a bad job of ripping off Oasis, I must say. No. Um, actually, Liam Gallagher uh, um, was asked about it on uh, Twitter, and um, he said oh, he, was he? He, he loves it. He said it's absolutely oh, fantastic, um, and says it. You know, again, he just obviously, perhaps jokingly, you know, infers it sounds better than he does. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and that I, says good things is, about Liam Gallagher, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah it's got his endorsement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great. I bet. That, I, I bet they're thrilled. And also, there's something about. Uh, the thing that uh, that is very likable about Liam Gallagher, sorry, just before just mm. before you you speak about it, is that I get the impression the biggest fan of Oasis is Liam Gallagher and always has been. <laughs> so so fair right. play. Yeah, I listened to the Lost uh, Tapes album this week and actually did have an open mind, mm. and I absolutely love it. I think it's probably yes. It's better Oasis than anything Oasis might produce now. <laughs> it's lively, yes. it's fresh. The songs are great. Liam yes. sounds fantastic. He does, it's yeah. an absolutely brilliant job. 
albeit I go along with your caveat completely that it probably needs further production it needs a proper production job in a proper uh, studio environment if it had been put out as an Oasis album I I know you know you probably know them better than me but I would have been I would have swallowed it Mm. for real yes of course this this thoroughly convincing non-Oasis album, it throws up quite the obvious issue because if this can be achieved, what else is going to follow now in the years to come as everything gets more sophisticated? The Beatles, Elvis brought alive again. This, This Oasis AI album is so good and so well done that Mm. probably anything is possible. And, you know, I I foresee a future of an endless computer-generated series of follow-ups to Sgt Pepper and Abbey Road. So the future of music could be very strange indeed. Could be very weird, couldn't it? And and we, you know, it would feed into the uh, the hologram stuff that we've talked about as well, haven't we? The, The live performances. If it's done well, maybe it's as similar to that. If it's done well, I um the 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 ABBA thing that's going on mm. at the moment, then then you know then why not? But the frightening aspect to it, like you say, is they obviously said, you know, they've been very clear about the fact that this is AI generated. What if people aren't? Like you say, what if yeah. what if what if people do try and pass stuff off? Could be an, a, yet another febrile moment for music lawyers, I sense yeah, as well. Exactly. Now, at the time we record this, uh, um, just in case it gets taken down later mm. on, the time we record this, AI Sis, the lost tapes, uh, it can be easily found. Just search for it on YouTube. You yeah, I hope, it, I hope it stays up. It's brilliant. Yeah, me too. Coming right up, Abbey Road opens its doors again, and the vexed question of television spoilers. That's right after. Oasis. Maybe I don't really want to know how you got in gross. Cause I just want to fly. Lately, did you ever feel the pain in the morning rain? I just soaked you to the bone. Maybe I just want to fly. Want to live but don't want to die. Lately, 
respect to Love to the Breezer Lights, he did a fantastic job of taking them off. But I thought it would be sensible for us to hear the real deal because when they were good, they were really good, weren't they? I take I take their argument that they would released a few subpar albums towards the end of their career, but I think that really does hit skyscraping heights. That was Oasis from the um from the album uh, uh, definitely maybe that is Live Forever. And, that, and this was when um, Oasis were really on fire. And uh, I think it was interesting what you said earlier, whether it was you quoting it or somebody else saying that um, their albums sort of seemed to go a step down each time to the point that yes. you know, they, they got worse and worse. And I, I personally endorse that view totally. It's In a sense, they started off like a rocket yeah, going they absolutely to the moon. Did. And then there was a bit of fizzling. But I, I'm convinced they're reform. I, I'm, I've just had wow. this... My my feel, my feeling is that they should have reformed for the Manchester bombings concert. Yes, and, that's right. And yeah. they didn't then. I suspect uh, it's always because of Noel Gallagher, although Liam Gallagher performed and did sing did. some racist numbers. Good for him. But um, but yeah, mm. I'm not sure if they ever will. But we'll see what okay. happens. I know we're living in uh, in a material world, and I know mm. businesses need to be profitable. And Abbey Road Studios sure have a focus on making money. Mm. In, in my view, perhaps by exploiting the um, legendary status of the building. In August, Abbey Road are again opening up Studio Two. This time to hear a talk by a couple of authors who have written a book recording the Beatles and Mm. they're giving lectures about the story of Abbey Road. That's it, basically. How much are tickets? 20 quid, you might think. 50, Mm. 100. No jewels for this talk in Abbey Road. 141 pounds, 75 pence per person. Which is ridiculous, and I know you're going to mock me by saying, "Have I ever been to Abbey Road?" Have you ever been to Abbey Road? You've never mentioned it. I I know. I I, I hate to mention it at every possible opportunity, but however, yes, I have been to Abbey Road for comparative purposes. Here, when Mm. we went to Abbey Road a couple of summers ago Mm. uh, for its 90th anniversary sort of tour thing that they were they were marking, we paid, we bought tickets, and the tickets involved. Um, not being able to take photos, which actually was a real, real good idea, because mm. then you weren't having to constantly push past people taking photos of things. So we had our photographs taken on the steps outside before we went in, which was great. And then we went round and we went into all three studios. So we went to the studios one, two and three and sat in some of the control rooms and listened to things and could play instruments. And it was just an incredible day. I've banged on about this enough. I won't go into it all. Mm-hmm. But the cost of the tickets for that in, in you know, in, in I think it would have been 2021. Um, the the cost of tickets for that were £100. And Which, by the way, the sorry time, to interject, but at the time I thought that was yes. excessive. But in, but thinking now about all the experiences mm. you had and the emotional side yeah, of it and exactly the three studios and the going up those steps and being able to see the instruments all laid out and everything exactly yeah compared to this jules it's i mean it just goes to show partly you might say it's it's price gouging price mm. gouging by them but partly maybe it's maybe it's just indicative generally of how much everything has gone up in cost in the last couple of years although having said that 
the, the, there's a lovely phrase that the um that the I think I read it in the Guardian the other day, mm. greedflation. And I wonder <laughs> if I wonder if greedflation, mm. I regret to inform you, might be at work here because it's one thing, you know, it's one thing everyone knows that for lots of commercial businesses energy costs have gone up exponentially you know and you you might think oh yeah okay well you might need to you might need to incorporate that into a into your price but to charge 140 quid for a talk in studio two does seem excessive to me and like you say it doesn't make 100 pounds for an hour and a half of not being rushed or going around abbey road doesn't make that seem rather good value doesn't it and actually i had no issue with the price because it's sort of a, as, as my friend remarked at the time it, he said oh it keeps the riffraff out and whilst that is obviously horrendously snobbish i don't think he was wrong so so i was i was you know i understood mm. that there is some risk involved to having people tra- traipse around abbey road and press equipment and do that sort of thing but yeah for me 141 pounds two years on to sit in studio two and listen to a talk for an hour that does seem a little greedy to me i get the feeling that abbey road studios would sell you fragments of the floorboards of studio two if they could um, yes such as their you know, graspiness um of course there will be a thin 60 page uh booklet souvenir booklet to go along with mm. this on the day 13 pounds for oh for goodness booklet. sake whereas they let me you know whereas previously two years ago they let me have my VIP pass for free. I mean, it was, mm. you know, obviously we bought things in the shop afterwards, but mm. it does seem that that it makes me sad. This actually, they seem mm. to have fallen into that trap when they really didn't two years ago. Yeah. Now, even people who are way too young to have seen the episode first time around will know about the Likely Lads episode, No yes. Hiding Place, where Bob and Terry tried to avoid learning the score of an England football match before the television highlights are shown that evening, rather, as they yeah. still are now. And through the day um, in this episode, Brian Glover, a magnificent cameo, does his best yes. to spoil it for them. And I was reminded that of that episode this week when the world was divided with, with between people who had seen the episode of succession season four episode three mm. in which something very big happens, yes. and the other people who wanted to avoid learning about this very big event before yes. they saw it large numbers of people who did watch succession as it was broadcast in america posted all about it on twitter and mm. this brought up the argument again that posting spoilers online is the worst possible crime in the world and that those that do so <laughs> should be, I don't know, be ex- exiled to Alcatraz at the very least. Where do you stand on this, Jules? Are spoiler posting people to be condemned or is everyone just being a little bit oversensitive? I'm inclined to fall towards option two on that, Seti. Mm. It does make me roll my eyes, I must admit, <laughs> when when you put something about this going on and people go, oh, spoilers, spoilers, and it's like goodness sake you know people need to adjust to the fact that we live in a world where everyone lives online and constantly and it's a little bit it, it's I, I it's always really rankled with me that people seem to think that the re- world revolves around them and that mm. i therefore have to constantly self-check when it comes to what i want to speak about with people 
in ca- I mean, I, I I do try and get the balance right between being sort of thoughtful and trying. I think when we talked about TV episodes last week, the greatest episodes of all time, I did warn when I was going to talk about things in case people did want to see it. I have let I, I have a little bit more sympathy for something like Succession, say, that's really sort of big. And and, you know, may, maybe one shouldn't spoil these things instantly. But when people like, for example, I was accused once of spoiling something for someone. And it was a series that went out in the 90s. And I was like, <laughs> you've had plenty of time to watch this now. It's really not the case that, you know, that, that I've spoiled something straight away. But part of me thinks maybe the owner should be say if i want like line of duty i wanted to watch um line of duty went out live on on bbc one a couple of years ago and it wasn't it wasn't like they put them all up on iplayer and i think succession's working in the same way and that it really yes, it is, yeah. is one, an old one a week yeah exactly which is great by the way and a real sign of that's how that's how you know the how it works how the old school tv works and it still does work creating water cooler moments as they mm. say where people talk about it and you know what i did Seti, when i thought people might spoil line of duty for me i um i told my friends that were watching it, i was talking to about it that i wouldn't get to watch it until later that evening i didn't go on twitter i didn't mm. go on facebook just stay offline for a little bit if it's going to take you a little bit of a while why should why should it be the job of everybody not to tweet about something they're enjoying when you could just not go online for a few hours i mean that's my view really if you don't want it spoiled just don't go online why should everything revolve around you well sometimes if if we've been out and recorded a football match that we want to see Mm. we'll we'll make sure we don't listen to the radio on the way back in the car don't look at our mobile phones Uh, essentially yes cut ourselves off in fact funny enough we did this yesterday we went out for a walk in the (laughs) afternoon um and recorded the manchester city v sheffield united cup semi-final and did exactly that avoided all uh the 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 real world until we got back and then watched it with supper and you know uh, as if it was real and that was easy enough for you to do wasn't it it wasn't you know it wasn't a huge inconvenience to you you just that you were able to have it under your control that's right i think it can be uh contained on the day by doing that and obviously avoiding social media but i I so agree with you where i think the whole argument lurches into a a form of absurdity is when people complain about spoilers when it relates to a show that aired a month or a year ago you know i mean it's like um it's like saying, you know, oh no, you're saying that Grace Archer died in a fire in yes, 1955. Exactly. <laughs> That's ruined the Archers for life for me. You know, that it's just, it's just ridiculous. But yeah. overall, the glee, which I think you also mentioned, which some people um, post instant spoilers, yeah, doesn't so show agreed. the best side of human no, nature, does agreed. it? Coming right up, the greatest heavy metal songs of all time. Yeah, woo, rock, etc. Yes. Yeah. That's next after the wonderful voice of Nicole Buss.
a great track, uh, taken from her most recent album, Keros, um, and it's a great album. That was the splendid Nicole Bass and Look Up to the Sky. Very good. I hadn't, that was news to me, and I thought it was extremely good. As we know, I'm a bit of a sucker for lists, and mm. lo and indeed behold, Rolling Stone have published another one, the 100 greatest heavy metal songs yeah. of all time, as they put it, from Sabbath to Scorpions to Slipknot. Nice. Um, I have a fair few issues with that Rolling Stone list. Firstly, I'm not entirely sure about the definition of heavy metal. Yes, and same. And secondly, I don't agree with a vast number of their choices. <laughs> um, to give you a flavour, I'll, I'll read you their top ten, and yeah. then we'll tell you what are the real best heavy metal songs of all time and where Rolling Stone have gone so terribly, terribly wrong. Rolling Stone top ten, very, very quickly. Number ten, Iron Maiden, Run to the Hills. I mean, that is very good, in fairness, but yes. Number nine, Dio, Holy Diver. Mm. Had never heard it. Number eight, had never heard it. Slayer, Raining Blood. Oh, I, I had heard that, and it is very good. It's uh, if you like that sort of thing. It's uh, and most of the songs on this, I'm caveating with. If you like that sort of thing, it's very good. But yes, I was familiar with Slayer. If you've got, if you're a band called Slayer, you have to have a song called Raining Blood, really. Yes, don't you? exactly, it exactly. The, the whole package. Seven, Black Sabbath, Iron Man. Very good. I uh, I'm quite a I'm quite a fan of older old Aussie and Co. I think that I think that was a good choice actually. And we're talking of Aussie at number six, Crazy Train by Aussie Osborne. I'm not uh, sure to put that as the sixth greatest metal me song of all time. Me too. Number five, Black Sabbath again, War Pigs. Yes, it's a very heavy, Black Sabbath heavy list, isn't it? Really, it really, really is. Judas Priest at four, Breaking the Law. That is great, and I have a sort of a, a, a nice memory of that. And a few years ago, I was involved in putting on a a quiz for um for LG, It was an LGBTQ quiz. It was I was involved. I was involved in the sort of the production team of it for Hastings Pride, and I was DJing. And there was a music round um, that my friend Dave organised, and he took, he brought his, bless him, he brought his records for the music round. So the clips oh. were played off bits of record, and he <laughs> played, and I played obviously sort of, um, sort of upbeat gay pop, gay friendly pop, and oh, electro, and and dance, and that sort of thing. And when he put "Breaking the Law" by Judas <laughs> Priest on, I did grab the microphone and intoned finally some real music. So <laughs> so yes, big fan of of rob halford and co for that reason number three the ace of spades motorhead oh well that should absolutely be there i mean actually Sotty, oh, yeah, not most of the one. top 10 is not bad actually it's 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 the rest of the list i have some issues with oh, but yes okay. there is there is the ace of spades is is you know it, the, the way that it kind of piles in at the beginning is i always feel excited when that record starts number two metallica master of puppets issues with metallica um and also there, there seems to be a lot of picking the wrong song on this, I think. Yeah, if you were going to pick you. the best Metallica song ever, why? when I saw Metallica at two, every, I'd have put my house on that being Enter Sandman. What, mm. Why is it not Enter Sandman? And as you rightly say, completing this top-heavy Black Sabbath list from Rolling Stone, number one, Black Sabbath, a Black Sabbath. I think the 13 contributors of Rolling Stone who compile this may have weighted it slightly in favour of Aussie and Black Sabbath. Well, indeed, although, you know, they are excellent. But like you say, are they even metal? Are they not just hard rock? I'm not sure what metal is. 
Mm, no, it's, it's, that is well. Again, I would prove this by my top five, which I have a top five which is far oh, yes. better than the Rolling Stone uh, yes, version. It has to be said, but also it raises that very question. At five, I have the much mocked band Kiss, and yes, they are rather silly with all the face paint and pyrotechnics, but they did pull themselves together long enough in 1979 to record one of the great heavy metal songs ever. Um, Sure, no something. And yes. it made it to number 47 on Billboard, failed to chart over here. Mm. At four, I have uh, Led Zeppelin. A lot of their songs don't stand the test of time with their grim uh, yes. lyrics. You know, oh, baby, I'm going to do this to you and I'm going to do that to you type of thing. But the <laughs> what we- excellent. You, you should do, we should do an AI version of Led Zeppelin <laughs> with you feeding those phrases into a bot. Well, the, the weird and wonderful immigrant song from Led Zeppelin yes. 3 still but, sounds as spooky as ever with its it like does. Viking imagery. It and really does. Valhalla, I am coming and all the hammer of the gods things. A glorious Robert Plant at his peak, I think. So those are my yeah. number five and four. And this did appear at number 18 on the Rolling Stone list, I would say. But I would say that is that is too low, really. Again, depends what your definition of metal is but i i might i I very much like immigrant song like you say is very heavy and it's it's really it's it's a fantastic record i might have been inclined maybe to argue for cashmere as well possibly if it comes to 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 heavy metal depending of course on what one's definition of heavy metal is yeah this is it exactly and also um i i quite like i love cashmere it's true and Mm -hmm. houses of the holy is a good track in itself numbers three and two go together really well um because at three well black sabbath are all over that rolling stone list but they've got this they got their priorities badly wrong by placing paranoid at number 13 exactly Um, yeah i've got it at at number three because in the summer of 1970 paranoid and the song also i put at number two smashed into the charts and broke through into the top 10 is a real sort of rocket for long hair and heavy metal paranoid made it to number four in the uk all based around um a great riff from tony I owe me. Um, then at number two in my chart and in the UK charts at the same time as Paranoid in 1970, mm. Deep Purple and Black Knight. Yes, um, that was very odd that that didn't that hasn't that hasn't appeared in the in the upper yeah. ra- ranks uh, of this list. Very That's strange. Absolutely great tune. So it's a riff nick from um, George Gershwin's Summertime of all of all things. Yes. Um, it, it barged <laughs> into the chance to reach number two in the UK. There were, do you know, there was no messing around in 1970 with these two. Black Black Knight was recorded in the middle of May and released released on the 5th of June. I mean, that's that. You can imagine that these days, right. where Absolutely. 500 people have got together, get together, and talk about the sleeve and then the release date and what's, uh, you know, what's their going to media approach going to be in the advertising. They recorded it in the middle of May, released on the 5th of June, and also this was a period when Deep Purple again. What a different world we live in now. Deep Purple released three albums in under 12 months in wow. um, 69, 70. So, you know, and none of them live ones. They're all like, <laughs> no, new material. It's just incredible, isn't it? That they just, yeah. Although, having said that, one could argue that perhaps it's not the most complex music that's ever been made. <laughs> having said that, though, it's still extremely good. So, I'm not going to be too, too complainy here. 
Well, there's a Deep Purple connection to my number one heavy metal mm-hmm. song of all time because after leaving Deep Purple, Richie Blackmore formed Rainbow, and I'm mm. nominating a single that reached 57 on Billboard, six in the UK in 79. There's a massive list of ex-Rainbow members, and one of those is singer singer um, Graham Bonnet, who was in the band for one year and one album only, but also in, in there for the magnificent single Since You've Been Gone, and it has it has everything. Um, it's got a great Richie Blackmore riff. Typical heavy metal lyric with a bloke distraught because his woman has left him, of course. Absolutely. Cozy Powell belting the drums, Deep Purple's Roger Glover producing, everything you'd ever want or need, all in three minutes and 17 seconds since you've been gone, the greatest heavy metal song of all time. I mean, it is a phenomenal record. Part of me wonders if it would if it's been dismissed as sort of power pop or, or and that's why it's not in this this list. It does seem a rather glaring omission, as you say. Um it makes me think back to my days of being on Hastings Rock, a sort of community station we have here about a month a month a year. And yeah, it's one of those songs it's also on lots of those greatest rock greatest yes. about hundred greatest rock songs of all time. Yes. Maybe it's not seen as not quite being heavy enough, I don't know, but it really is fantastic i agree with you entirely it does seem a bit mad that it's not been it's not been a not been seen as a not been deemed as as, as being able to be included in this list the definition thing is is a really acu- an acute one because i do agree and i can see that probably all of my five picks a, a lot of um people who really love heavy metal will say well then none of them are heavy metal because maybe the 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 real definition is you can you wave your head up and down with your long yes, hair can you headbang to, head to, head exactly. to it and n- certainly since you've been gone no it is probably more uh, a power pop song. It's a nod along whilst you're driving. Yeah, yeah much that, like more than a feeling by Boston, stuff like that. Yes, maybe it's, exactly. May, maybe it falls into that category, and that's what I like, Satie. So maybe, maybe there needs to be a hundred greatest power rock songs of all time and maybe yeah. maybe it's that there are a couple of songs on this list which oh, in right. the slightly lower reaches which i quite enjoyed again not sure if you describe it as metal or not but i was uh, delighted to see killing in the name of by rage against the machine appearing oh, at number yeah. 38 i'm quite a quite quite keen on that also interestingly bring me to life by evanescence was included in this list I, i'm not quite sure where but it was it was again in the top hundreds which is a fantastic record but again it was quite a successful pop record and it was absolutely everywhere i seem to remember i'm not sure like you say i have some issues of of of, well if if since you've been gone isn't metal and this is i find that a bit of a strange i don't know i I, i'm finding that a little bit off beam also i would have put hard rock hallelujah by lordy the uh finnish eurovision entry uh one year uh, the other one i think i would put that into this that is great i mean it's it's you know like you say i think there are definition issues with this list that rather hold it back and also picking the wrong song is not hugely helpful in in cases like like you say like black sabbath Paranoid should have been the highest of their songs. Um, same with Metallica, like I say, and Salmon. It, yeah, it's 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 you know it, it's a good go, but um, and also I go just goes to show that I'm obviously not a big fan of metal because I hadn't heard of most of this list. I must no, say, no, I hadn't. It was, no. it was a bit, um, yeah, it was it, much of it passed me by. I think. You, you know, I'm just thinking as you were saying that you mentioned um, 
I think you mentioned Boston there, and you could put like bands like Journey, Ario, Speedwagon, Backman Turner, Overdrive. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm picking power rock rather yeah which than is great i love it but yeah, yes may, maybe prefer. maybe that's where we are possibly i I'm also enjoying the fact that um one of the most slightly um unexpected collaborations shall we say of all time and number 90 and again i think this should be a little bit higher hmm. yeah and, you know i might have passed you by i think you passed a lot of people by that public enemy and anthrax collaborated oh, together I know that, or, I, that did pass me by yeah yeah bring the noise a public enemy featuring anthrax from 1991 um so it was so originally bring the noise was a single off it takes a nation of millions to hold us back in 1988 and uh, th- this is so beautifully elegantly put Public Enemies Chuck D needed convincing that Bring the Noise, a single off the rap from its revolutionary 1988 masterpiece It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, could function as a metal song. Then Anthrax drummer Charlie Benante sent him a demo of their speaker-destroying vision. And so actually, it is quite good. And actually, they ended up hitting the road together and having the first rap metal tour and they performed the song live. It was really great. I um, I think it's, uh, uh, again, I would have had that as much higher. Oh, I'm going to listen to that. It's, yes, as soon as fun. we finish, I'm going to give that a go. Thanks very much for listening this week as we've reached episode 600. My I goodness. know. We should have had some sort of parade, really. But anyway, thank you very much. Hello and thank you to everybody that listens. Some insight tells me you won't hear much from that heavy metal list on Juliet's radio shows. Uh, this no, week. although having said that, I have played more than a feeling before. So, so, so you, you, you might it's a crossover. You might hear since you've been gone as well. Possibly, it's um, it, it so so it's 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 a show called Smooth Sailing. Um, it's it's I've often described this as Magic FM on a fifty p budget. In that you know it's it's a mix of yacht rock, easy listening, M O R A O R, maybe adult oriented rock oh, is yeah. is the phrase that we need for your mm. your your selections. Mm. And and on that basis, those songs will get played i think i might have played i was made born i was made for loving you baby by kiss before i mean they're i'm not above playing that sort of thing <laughs> hold the line by toto love oh. isn't always on time you know stuff like that that would find a home there 7 to 9 p.m on noiseboxradio.com you can listen to old shows on mixed clouds i also do something called lost of words which goes out at eight o'clock on thursdays and 11 a.m on tuesdays and that is instrumentals of all and no genres and again you can find old shows on mixed cloud now we have echoes of that heavy metal chart with your choice of our closing track this week jules yes so i was rather delighted by this unexpected sort of influences on people it turns <laughs> out Twee, uh, sort of occasionally twee popsters of the cardigans, big fans of Black Sabbath to the point where they've done a couple of their mon- their, their numbers. This is going to offend many people possibly, <laughs> but I don't really, really don't don't care. And I, I last summer I went on a narrowboat tour of the Midlands with some friends, and we did go under the Black Sabbath Bridge in a in <laughs> in Birmingham, and we took photo of my friend doing devil horns underneath uh, in a sleeve. What, what, what is the Black Sabbath Bridge? You need to tell us oh, more well, so about there, that. There is there is a bridge in Birmingham which has a statue of um, Black Sabbath 
on it and it's called the black sabbath bridge and you go you go on you can go underneath it on boats on the canal and so so yes i will send you a photo so to you later on Thank of my you. friend andy on the black sabbath bridge but um it was a, a, a lot of fun and so i played my friends the cardigans interpretations of the of, of they've done a couple of versions of the black sabbath songs I, d- I just think they're wonderful. I think they're so fun. I think I've picked Iron Man, or as they would have it, Iron Man, previously. <laughs> um, it doesn't translate that well to Sweden, it turns out. But um, but I've picked this. Um, this is an admirably laid-back version. This is The Cardigans and Sabbath Bloody Sabbath.
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>